Welcome to Transition Gadgets 360's Gaming and Pop Culture podcast. This is the 27th episode of Transition and we are doing something that we've never done before, which is talk about pop culture before we talk about games. So the first section of this podcast will be dedicated to discussion around Game of Thrones and we'll be talking about a lot of gaming related news in the second half of it. Sorry. Okay, thanks. I'm just too excited. Go on. And we are too low budget to play the real theme. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and we don't want to get sued either. Yeah. So there's that. All right. So uh, first of all, let me introduce the people who've been interrupting me all this while. Um, interrupter in chief is Akhil Arora. Hey everyone. Yeah, you want to do your theme song now? Entry. That's that. the only part I remember. I oh. think I'll go off key after that. All right. Cool. Uh, then yeah, we have our um, vice interrupter or second in command, Gagan Gupta. I think Bran is tripping. I really think he is. I think there's a drug reference right there. Oh, what? Too early. Uh, this is not Breaking Bad podcast. <laughs> 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 All right, and we have the uh, silent third of the podcast that is Rodin Sarejo. Hello, and I'm your host Pranay Parab. So I think first of all we should start with the way season seven, episode one uh, for Game of Thrones began. But before we talk about that, should warn everybody who's been listening that this episode is going to be full of spoilers. So if you have not watched season one or any previous seasons, stop listening right now. But actually, you should continue listening because you know we are discussing about. The night is dark and, and if you haven't spoilers. seen if you haven't seen season one then you don't really care about game of game thrones, of thrones anyway, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah listen away so all right season seven episode one uh, began with a bang obviously um, like when the season begins and when the season ends they have to have some really explosive moments and this one was obviously aria killing up all those frays yeah, yeah for one. like two minutes i thought i mean it was like a flashback scene because you like saw him dead in the last episode of the season six, World and suddenly he's like yeah. back somehow. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, but it, it it didn't make sense. They wouldn't do a recap. Yeah, scene. it didn't make sort of make sense. But it, for for two minutes, I just thought, yeah, like, yeah same here. They're showing his death from another perspective. Yeah. Like they're gonna get to the same point, but like then you obviously kept getting clues that something was off. Yeah, the way he was talking, and then he was using self-deprecating humor, which is not something you associate with Lord Frey of all people. Then obviously Jamie wasn't there, and then he keeps kept saying this is a second feast. Yeah. And slowly and slowly we build towards the moment which Pranay mentioned which is Arya stepping out and showing herself. Yeah. Killing 30 people at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> without red even, wedding without part even two. touching a single blade. Yeah. Which is yeah. the beauty so of it, right? The, the reverse we- red wedding. Yeah. Or, or like a more bi- a bigger purple wedding. Yeah. Where only Joffrey died here 30 people died. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so although that one was mo- still more satisfying, I guess. Yeah, so you think like a future episode will have more deaths than this one, or uh, is this like the biggest? I mean, no, this is just a this is just a taster, I think. Of <laughs> yeah, because these are all unknowns. Who cared about these people anyway? Yeah. They were bound to die. So yeah, yeah, which was why, like even the production design, I think, was like showing us right. All the phrases were dressed in the same clothes. Yeah, they, they had the same faces as well. Yeah, you couldn't really tell them apart. Like, you yeah. could show me the same shot of the same person twice. And I would think they were two different yeah. phrases. Yeah. For all you know, it's all CGI, you know. <laughs> <One> <laughs> they probably had like one frame person. It's like duplicated him 30 times. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So overall, I thought the episode was pretty good in terms of pacing. Uh, they kept it pretty tight. I thought there weren't too many scenes where you got really bored or anything where it wasn't going anywhere. Uh, by now, we've reached a point where the uh, TV series has actually moved beyond the books. Yeah, so, yeah that would happen like much of last season as well. Yeah, Yeah. so like now it's totally beyond the books. Now they are not shackled by the things that uh, yeah. George R. R. Martin himself wrote. So they're free to explore the plot at their own pace. Yeah. So that allows... Basically proceeding at whatever pace they feel like. Yeah, and that allows them to like write it like a proper TV show and not really worry about the things that are happening in the novel. Yeah, and that, saw I that guess, last season itself, right? Yeah. I mean, like it turned out to be more of a TV show than a book that is being loosely adopted into a TV show. 
so they actually broke out for a lot of shackles the pacing was a lot better for a tv show and yeah i mean they did take some very good steps to carry the story forward i i'm completely enjoying this part of game of thrones yeah so as the show has progressed i've noticed two things one is that their budget has improved quite a bit even oh, though yeah. first season was actually uh, yeah. pretty well produced one in terms of like the production quality yeah. um, their budget has improved a lot because you saw those battles right there was a battle at uh, I think season five uh, and six both had like major battles towards yeah, the end. Yeah, six right? had the most memorable one though. The yeah. yeah, and they had like big battles since like season season two itself. Like when, I remember the Rob one against Jamie when he captures them. Yeah, yeah. that itself was a big enough scale for like what we had then. And since then, we only gone higher and higher. Yeah, so and now that we have three dragons, which are size the yeah. size of Boeing seven four sevens, I yeah. mean, we can only yeah. go uh, yeah one away from here. Yeah, so now uh, in this season already, I think we are setting up towards uh, another major clash between all these powers. So this time is going to be at sea. So I mean, what did you guys think about that part of the story where like Daenerys is coming back and Euron is going to go and attack? their fleet as they come back well denerys was more of a padding at towards the end i mean like there was nothing really happening except for her climbing up a lot of stairs hmm. and saying shall we begin <laughs> yeah but like so, but what those, i love yeah. about those, that those scene is are, that yeah oh, sorry, the, the, the exactly the moment the way they have shot it yeah. the yeah. Cinem- cinematography was beautiful and was. throughout the entire uh, that set yeah no one says anything like and i like that it still it was still, so much. It was still engrossing even though there was no dialogue or there was no banter between anyone it just the way that it was shot yeah. and you know just just take it just takes you back like for her to like because as she's taking in the moment mm. she's coming home after yeah. after being born there and then this is yeah, the there's so much significance to it right because exactly. this is the place she was not only born exactly. so was the pa- uh, place where targaryens first landed made their trading outpost when when valeria existed and this was the place where they made their castle and started their conquest of westeros from so it's it has like significance on three different yeah. levels yeah. and for her to come there even this a small shot of her, just her putting her left palm into the sand yeah. meant so much without just words yeah and the throne which is what you really can something good. you can do with tv shows as opposed to a book right you, with the book you sort of lose that charm because you have to keep writing words yeah the throne looks really badass throne, i really like the throne it's amazing i love the throne i saw that i was like hey this looks better than the iron throne in ways which is like surprising that they've sort of i, I feel like might be bu- budget constraints that they've sort of kept that hidden for so long right because stannis was in the same castle for like five seasons it yeah, never had that was that war yeah, table we never, never saw the throne room because they probably yeah. didn't have the budget honestly but to like waste it on just showing it because stannis never s- sat on it yeah. so and for the first time we now see it and yeah. even she knows like the more important throne is the one in king's landing so like immediately after seeing the one in dragonstone yeah. she just walks past into the throne map room and she's like cuz that's where everything is going to be decided now and i love the fact that it's so empty it's like just there for taking anyone could have gone there and sat there yeah so anyway uh, speaking of budget uh, we saw that scene with she uh, standing in that room where somebody's painting the map of westeros on the floor yeah yes. i thought that was a beautiful shot yeah. and also <laughs> speaks yeah. volumes about how much money they are spending on this because that wasn't some amateur artist painting right that was yeah. that yeah. looked yeah. like but a but it also conveys like Cersei's sort of like mindset and way of thinking right in yeah. where she is now like Jamie was telling her how much danger they right now in and she has taken the pains to commission an artist to spend months painting a map but she's pretty clear that she wants to live big i mean she was like even when he said that they have no children to like make a dynasty for she wants to make it for herself yeah which is like a pretty big step anyway and now with a new marriage proposal coming in the way who knows i mean maybe they want to carry that forward yeah so i have a theory about that marriage proposal so i think that uh, everyone remembers the prophecy right of how cersei yeah. dies her little brother is supposed to kill her right yeah, so valancor yeah, yeah as it says it so this could either it could mean jamie or tyrion 
or I mean I'm not sure if it specifies that it has to be a brother or a sister or it just says sibling. little brother and the thing is huh. both of them are little brothers yeah yeah so Jamie is also younger than uh, Cersei yeah. by like a few minutes or seconds or whatever and Tyrion obviously is younger so I think what's gonna happen is Euron is gonna go and get Tyrion's head on a pike for Cersei Cersei will end up marrying Euron Jamie will get jealous and kill Cersei and that's how the prophecy will be fulfilled. Wow, okay, you really thought about this. <laughs> yeah, but I I mean I don't see them killing off Tyrion to be very honest. Yeah, yeah. which is what I was talking to Pranay about the, before this podcast like if you read into Martin's words and books enough, you will find out there are characters he still loves despite his whole yeah. you know furore about like killing anyone yeah. he feels like there are characters he will al- always preserve and three of those include in my opinion, Daenerys, Tyrion, and Jon Snow. Yeah. I mean, no matter what be, happens, he'll keep them around. It'd be such a waste if they just got Tyrion to the map room finally, like now they can plan their attack and now he's dead. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, I feel like, it, I mean, they could do that because that would, that would sort of continue what Game of Thrones is about, right? Surprising us in a insane fashion. But right now, more likely what it looks like considering now we're into the home stretch, I feel like now things are slightly much more predictable than they used to be because now sort mm. of they're going towards a definite aim where they want people in certain positions at the end of lo- next season. So yeah. the maximum that I see of right now happening is either Yara or Theon dying at the hands of Euron. So let's make predictions. Who do you think, what do you think the gift is going to be Akhil? I mean, it has to be one of our enemies. I mean, as I wrote in my recap yesterday, I think it has to be one of the enemies. It can't just be like, you know, destroying some ships. That's too vague and generic for it to yeah. feel like a Game of Thrones moment. So either it's one of Yara, Theon, and Tyrion, as Pranay mentioned as well. Or Daenerys. Yara and Theon. Have fun touching her with three dragons and Ansalis and Dothraki and Tyrells and Dawn and everyone. But Yara and Theon are pretty expendable. I don't think Cersei would care if he got them their heads. Exactly. I mean, they don't really have much Tyrion it is. I'm telling you. It has to be Tyrion. I think it could be one of the dragons. Could be. Yeah. So the reason, yes. Are you getting to the horn of Joromon theory? I have no idea what that is. Okay, so the horror <laughs> German theory, which, I mean, I guess he's uh, accidentally chanced upon, is that he has that. So when he went to exile Euron, which he mentions in this episode as well, yeah. he came across that horn, which is capable of uh, controlling the dragons. So if he can somehow land that gift, if that is the gift, which would make sense, because gifts are normally objects and not people's heads. Does yeah. he mention that though? I, I think he I doesn't mention that, that oh, but okay. this is a theory which has been okay. sort of like people have gotten out, out of the book's text. Okay. And Euron has been... Uh, much less present uh, in the show compared to the books. And also, Euron is still alive in this uh, as to yet release sixth book. And he has like one of those chapters we've seen. But there. that would make more sense. I mean, that would be a gift that would worth be a gift, yeah. right? Because that's an Marrying object. Over, yeah. yeah. And if he can actually control, like get one of the dragons, that, that would make a huge That would be a pretty big gift. Yeah, but if he gets one of the dragons, then that means the whole of their army will be chasing Euron across the sea and coming to kill him immediately. So that's it's going to be like, that's yeah. up to the conflict beautifully, right? Yeah. Instead of that would, instead of like having to meticulously plan as Jelena's wants to, she'll be forced to get her dragon back. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, that would kind of create some sort of an even balance because right now, Daenerys is way too powerful. Yeah. Yeah. But she also has Dragonstone. So Dragonstone is notoriously hard to breach uh, because yeah. it's on an island and the way the fortress is built, it's very defensible. So she's already walked in there practically like without any resistance. Yeah. yeah the so, trouble is like, I don't think... Uh, no, anyone's going to go attack Daenerys at home because as you said Dragonstone mm. is so powerful 
and plus because she wants to con- conquer Westeros, it makes sense for everyone to prepare their own defenses and wait for her to come. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, you could fight them in open battlefield. But from what we've seen in the trailer, I think there's going to be a battle at sea with the fleet of Euron. Yeah, so there's going to be battle at sea from Absolutely, Euron. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. From the trailer, and there are shots in trailer for uh, open field battlefield as well. Hmm. There's a shot of uh, Jaime and Bronn yeah. leading a Lann- Lannister army and firing archers at Unsullied. And you can see like shots of uh, lots of Unsullied. And there's a lot of the fire, so obviously there's yeah, so like, the and dragon. Uh, just is after this shot of Unsullied like falling on the ground, there's a shot of the entire Lannister wagons and armies being on fire, and Jamie sort of running through it on his yeah. horse, which sort of tells you that dragons might have a play part. I did not even see the trailer. It, is just, it has so many spoilers in it. I did not want to touch it. I mean, it's not spoiler. <laughs> it's just exciting to sort of like think nah. what what you can see in the next episode. No man, hearing all this is like oh, I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but so, then how did you like sort of see the first five seasons? I feel like because the books were there. No, nah, I mean I completely ignore people with books. Okay. Yeah, I think <laughs> like uh, I think everyone else with TV let's shows. Let's come back on topic, yeah. which is uh, we've discussed about like so many wars happening on each front, right? So so far we haven't spoken about uh, two things, and one of them is the people of the north banding together trying to defeat the White Walkers. Yeah. What, what White, is that? Night King. Night King. Night King, yeah, Night King yeah. and his army coming in. Second thing was that amazing scene with Mr. Samuel Tali, uh, where you know you see everything in the library that's happening on. Oh yeah, uh, and yeah, so a lot of uh, poop-related scenes. Man, I was yeah. eating at that. Time. That, that, <laughs> was, that was very well done. Like the the cuts got quicker yeah. and quicker to a point where everything looked like it <laughs> was. It's almost like created music out of the montage. That's why they did it. Yeah, that like, was very well. And done. like the fact that the food and the poop, like you could not be sort of separated visually. Sort yeah. of like also conveyed like heavier into the montage and like what he had to deal with yeah yeah well, and then there was that open autopsy well the autopsy didn't bother me so much as much as the poop scene did like yeah. it's yeah that was that was very like the poop scene got me yeah. to a point where i was like looking away from my screen yeah, yeah i did not i wasn't able to see the screen at all even when he was going to eat food like it was a very intentional thing right <laughs> yeah. the thing in which he eats it looks suspiciously like that chamber bed pot pan. thingy yeah, yeah. yeah bed pan yeah so the chamber pan was the least of it when he opens that box and empties the chamber pan that's <laughs> what got me <laughs> yeah anyway and then there was a very important scene even there where he like steals that book and he finds out uh, what the secret of dragon glass is which is that it's under uh, buried under dragon stone yeah and uh, also jora moment makes an yeah. appearance there yeah. Right? yeah him with a scaled hand yeah, so yeah. yeah, do you think there's going to be any cure for his condition, or he's just going to like die defending? So I think the, the, all the sellers are basically people who are sick, and they're this is the cure they're being giving with the food and whatever they're being served. So he is. I mean, it makes sense for him to be cured because he was so crucial to D- Danny's journey in the first yeah. two seasons mm. that he has such such a heavy, at least emotional role to play, if not a narrative role to play. Mm. That it it would be amazing to sort of see him as the right hand man once like Danny's on the throne yeah, I, I, I'm guessing even if they don't cure him completely they might find a way to stop that process yeah. from converting him completely sort of like but Benjen Stark last season yeah so I'm sure he'll at eventually he will fight by Daenerys' side if not cured but he will somehow meet up with her and team up with her again I'm yeah. I think he's gonna be a sacrifice I think he's gonna be a sacrifice for Daenerys in some way or the other then I really? think he'll die protecting Daenerys yeah, yeah, exactly. That is that could yeah. happen. Fitting That's the in. thing. So he'll sacrifice his life for her. Yeah, yeah. for sure. There is no way he's coming back into the team. 
Yeah. And then Daenerys will cry for like three seconds and she'll move on immediately. Like she's done with every other character. That's speaking of another Mormont, Lyanna Mormont came back. Yeah. So that's the part in the north, right? Yeah. And she scolded one guy again. That was Lord Glover. That was brilliant. Yeah. I mean that entire logic of keeping women away from battle, like it makes zero sense. Come on. I mean you're facing all these Night King and all these people, and half the population is sitting at home doing nothing or cooking and all that. How, how does that even make sense? Like really. It, it adds yeah. nothing to the whole logic of that, you know. You and that that, that scene also sets up beautifully what we can probably expect over the next this season and the next season, like a good rivalry between Sansa and John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she's not afraid to speak up. Oh in front man, of him. she started to annoy me now. <laughs> Sansa, she started really, to annoy Sansa you now. Like, I mean, like before it was okay. I mean, she was a victim, but now it's really getting annoying, man. Especially the way she's constantly contradicting him and trying to be the next uh, Cersei. But it's it's, yep. it's also Littlefinger trying to like brainwash her into like you know telling her to assert herself and stuff. I think it also comes from a sense of like her actually wanting to save John. Like what she says really makes sense. She doesn't want him to commit the same mistakes as her father and her yeah. brother Rob. Yeah, but I mean you don't want to end up in the same position. I mean the thing is, John's already done that. He yeah, alienated, and he died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he alienated his people and he he paid for it. But, but that didn't was, stop him. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're not gonna be brought back again. Anyway, you sent sent away Melisandre. Yeah, yeah. So Did she get her back? <laughs> really should. <laughs> and like allow another kid on this fire. I mean, like why not? She's good to have around. I mean, if somebody dies, like oh well, Melisandre, go ahead. Yeah, uh, she is in the thing. trailer, <laughs> but I'm not sure where she's gonna show up. I feel like it might. She might show up on the Dragon Queen side now, considering yeah. she's like constantly yeah, showing up the, everywhere. Yeah, in the trailer they pieced it together where it seemed like it she's seems looking like that, down, yeah. and when they are walking up, so I was expecting her, but yeah, she's but obviously she not there. in Dragonstone because or maybe that's the surprise in like episode two, and she like she just shows up, be like, oh, I was in the castle alone. Hi guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, how do you think it's so clean all along? <laughs> yeah, you pulled down a red banner. That was actually my second dress or something. <laughs> and, and I really hope they don't like shoot her again with that like neck piece that she had. <laughs> Which kind of gives her her powers to look young. You mean without the neck piece? Yeah, without the neck oh, piece. Yeah. Last time they did that, right? There was an error. Yeah, like we've seen it like once. I don't think we need to like be told again. <laughs> exactly. No, but the thing is that like they had done a shoot with her in which she's in her young form and without the neck piece. Oh yeah, that so was yeah, a that mistake, was a big yeah. error in one of the earlier yeah, seasons and yeah. all. So yeah, this ha- this is what happens when you move off the books. Also, yeah. what happens, I guess, when you start creating your own stories, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm actually liking what they're doing once they've started going beyond the. Books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Season six, I think, was the best season so far, yeah. especially towards the end, the two episodes, because you know, human memory works that way. You remember the last two episodes the most, right? Yeah. yeah. So I thought the way they ended it and the way they began it, overall pacing-wise, it was much better. Yeah, that's also because seasons. like the middle episodes are always sort of get to tend to get us slog. Like the reason yeah. the nine and ten are so good is because they keep saving, right? Because mm-hmm. they all the episodes from my, I think I remember last year four to like eight were all about setting it up setting yeah. it up setting it up setting it up and not ever giving you the payoff which basically meant that all the payoffs were reserved for last two episodes and which is what made them so great yeah that set of Baylor scene was insane speaking exactly. of good scenes I mean like who all cheered when you saw those zombie giants walking in with the white walkers uh, oh, I didn't cheer I didn't oh hell man I shouted so loud my wife thought I went mad <laughs> I don't think we have she any different. No, I, I'll cheer the day Dondarrion's flaming sword comes out and he stabs the White Walker with it. Uh, nice. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, but you know, I'm cheering for the other side as well. Yeah. They're cool, man. Are you like uh, hoping Cersei actually conquers the Seven Kingdoms? No, I hope White Walker takes over everything and ends this whole <laughs> thing once and for all. Yeah, winter stays. That's it. Winter <laughs> exactly. never ends. But also, there's a lot of explaining. I mean, they. I hope they touch upon like who, the origin of the White Walkers. Why they want to 
sort of you know yeah take over what is their agenda real agenda apart from just like converting that, right? everyone so, into no they haven't that like they were created by those other creatures uh, and all because the people yeah, of the woods people. they did create that like we got like a small flashback last season remember yeah, the yeah, yeah. children on the forest thing right children on yeah. the forest where they showed the how they created the first one to protect themselves against humans coming yeah. from essos so that's pretty much that like their one prime directive yeah but they created them to like sort of kill humans like sort of what went wrong is sort of you can pierce together from certain explanations in the books and certain explanations from a encyclopedia called world of ice and fire which sort of explains that uh, i mean the theory goes that there was a pact between uh, the night white walkers mm. and the men which was formed and after they built the wall they were it was basically that you live here and we live there mm. but the humans started encroaching into the north which is why they're sort of coming to take revenge um okay cuz you encroach on our lands and like why did you break our pact so basically it's like a game of thrones version of skynet yeah hmm. Yeah, yeah, takes but, over. yeah, so I, I think going forward, we can expect in this season, what kind of battles can we expect? One is obviously the uh, Euron versus Daenerys battle, which is definitely going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, on the north side, uh, do you think Jon Snow will respond to Cersei and come back to King's Landing and talk to her? Or, no, or from what we've seen in the trailer, I, obviously there's a higher chance, not just a higher chance, but there's a, pos- a direct, distinct possibility of Jon Snow banding with uh the brother brotherhood without banners which is mm. Dondarrion Clegane which he, he, had, does, he, had a, he does that right in the trailer they show them yeah, they're all teamed up yeah, together so, which who, who had a really good scene as well in the premiere yeah i mean he sort of you could see the guilt over his face i you know what he had done in previous season yeah. when he was roaming around with Arya yeah. and the fact that sort of he's getting a redemption arc slowly and slowly is a sort of fitting for the show as well like the same thing happened with Jamie right we were introduced to the character as someone who's willing to push out a kid and yeah. look how far he's come from yeah. that Hmm. So together, I mean, so what I'm getting to is, so Jon Snow and those will meet with him, and they will go to Eastwatch by the sea. I'm guessing because that's what sort of makes sense, right? Because that's what he, uh, Clegane saw in his vision. He saw yeah. a castle by the sea, and he saw the wall. And uh, before that, we might get to see uh, the reason this might happen is I, 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 I mean, this is my guess. This might not actually happen. Is now that Brands crossed back south of the wall, yeah, because uh, they believed his story. He's gonna end up in Winterfell, which is where we. I mean, this is another trailer stuff. So, sorry, Gagan. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the brand's gonna end up at Winterfell, and yeah. he might convey that you know they're on their way. So like, we need to do something. Mm. Yeah. So I think in this season, we mostly see uh, the battle. The North will be it'll be like Winterfell versus the Night Walkers. Yeah. And in the South, we will have uh, the Lannisters up, versus uh, Daenerys. And the other guys are hi- from yeah. High Garden and everyone else. Basically. It's basically King's Landing versus everyone else. They, they, yeah, which is what they, like, happened on the map thing, yeah. right? She's like, I'm surrounded everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's it's your fault. You created those enemies. Yeah. But do yeah, you think but, they'll do that this season? I don't think John is going to meet Cersei in this season because yeah. they are too far apart. Yeah. And he didn't. Are, he didn't seem interested in meeting her. Exactly. Yeah, he's, like, he's more concerned with the White Walkers right now who are and which makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And considering, I mean, because we have an entire season left, I feel like, I mean, if you wanted to make a show with higher stakes you sort of have to make sure that the northerners lose right because the northerners win i mean then there's white walkers are left for next season yeah. so either they will slow it so much that it will never happen or they will face a big defeat what would be cool is to see in the next season is the white walkers versus like danny's army or something yeah which is how it makes sense right what yeah. samuel tally gave us like yeah. now that he knows dragonglass is there yeah. i'm sure he's going to leave citadel Yeah, uh, and go back to Winterfell and report about this and all. I that. mean, he says that, right? I have to tell John when he realizes. Oh right, that yeah, sorry, I missed it. He says that in the episode okay. where he realizes yeah. that there's a lot of dragon glass 
underneath uh, he's going to send a raven to john yeah. snow yeah, yeah. yeah so it's going to be very interesting cuz like now john's going to find out i'm not sure when bannon will tell him and how he will tell him and how yeah. he'll convince him it's going to be two things for him to pull to dragon store one thing is will be dragon glass and the other thing will be finding out that he is not actually a bastard of ned star yep. but yep. he is yeah. nephew to daenerys star yeah i want to see how he conveys that yeah like, that how do you like, convince how him? do you like, do that yeah like oh i had a vision while my eye eyelids were white and i saw this so <laughs> do you believe me yeah yeah okay well, go well before he can start talking he needs to stay off the needle for a bit man like <laughs> i think that drug habit is getting way too much you mean do you mean arya's sword <laughs> no man not that needle <laughs> But I mean, like you constantly see this guy lying around, tripping on some like vivid uh, hallucinations, <laughs> like hallucinations and stuff. I mean, like, dude. No, but I think there's it. something in those willow trees. I think. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but whatever you say about it, I mean, even if you find it annoying, um, they've used it very well in the sense that they've shown us uh, Hodor's backstory through that. That through was brilliant. Legends. Yeah. They yeah. did, but yeah. that that time travel bit is still a bit annoying. You know, I mean, like there's yeah. so many fantasies that cheat, can yeah. come out of it. It's a it's, cheat. It's a yeah. easy yeah. way out, man. I mean, so. that that's one thing i was not happy about and even what he yeah. said earlier what roiden said earlier about that legend of the white walkers yeah. uh, that was also explained through brand's visions only yeah. <laughs> like he saw something uh, this happened 2500 years ago oh i can see it as if it was yesterday i mean it could just be a story flashback you yeah, don't have to go that far i know but it's a sort of a slightly better way to do exposition right instead of someone sitting down and two people talking and opening a book yep. at least we're getting to see it like we get to see flashes through brand because he was in training back then i guess that's what the now that he's fully the three eyed raven we can see that in like a much you know extended manner like the way the old three eyed raven showed him because okay. he would immerse him in a scene and that would go on for 10 minutes and bran when he was training he would mm. just like flash through everything yeah, he yeah, not yeah. able to control his powers yeah so we still don't know the full extent of his powers and what he can do can he actually manipulate the past or You know, I mean, like, you know what he's gonna do? Like he's gonna go back in time and save Ned Stark. Like no, <laughs> like there are theories that he himself is probably the Night King. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean. Uh, and there are the theories that he's the same like Bran as every other Bran who's lived ever in. Mm. Exactly. The past. Like that is true. He's Bran, the, the builder who the built the wall. Who built the right? wall? Yeah. 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 I think the wall will be breached next season. And then Bran will sure. has to be. Otherwise, yeah. the White Walkers sure. will not Absolutely. be able to come. The wall and then Bran will help rebuild at the end of the series. Okay. So yeah, that's why the librarian says now the wall has always stood and it's never fallen and this and that. Yeah, yeah. but that is also to do something to do with like the way we see history, right? Because mm. we have we don't live so long ourselves, and especially you live less if you were in medieval era. Yeah. That like thousand years basically seems infinite for us. Yeah. Right? So like for them, like the wall has been there forever, but that's not been the case. Like the wall did not exist when the lo- last long night was there, mm. and it can go down again. We know that. The thing is because. they're living in citadel which is also so far south that therefore the, for them the threat is much less because you're not the first one exposed yeah and plus they don't really believe that these things exist no i think Anymore, he, he, i think least. he bought that part right he he says like i i mean i agree every part can't be a fabrication yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but like the fact that because they're so far south this sort of you makes it complacent right they like i mean we don't have to care northern ones are first one yeah and even though like in the north you can already see like snow falling and it's really cold and yeah. all you come to the citadel and it seems like it's, it's just warm, autumn it's yeah. completely different yeah, yeah so although we did have a uh, night shot where i felt like there was snow in the background it felt like autumn it didn't yeah, guess, feel yeah. like yeah. anything close to winter although like a king's landing feels like proper yeah. summer even yeah. now even though winter is here yeah i mean i guess it's like bombay winter Uh, <laughs> it's, it's better. <laughs> We don't. They don't have rains for like for four months, which for them would be forty or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, any Ed Sheeran fans here uh, want to comment oh. on this? Oh yeah, yeah, that was a pretty cool cameo. I thought. I mean, I th- I, th- I thought his vo- the voice sounded familiar when they only showed the. I mean, the 
I think he will in the next episode. Oh, okay. Because as soon as Arya stopped there, I feel like, I was like gonna, they're gonna kill him. No, no. <laughs> I feel like he's gonna just gonna disappear because she's just gonna leave them and she's like move on. Yeah. It doesn't I mean, make sense for her to just like kill random ten people and sort of like raise an alarm for the next people coming. Well, they're so, a part of the Lannister army, so. Yeah, but were they? They, they? they didn't really they show not, any. Uh, the red robes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but like they're not part of the wish list, right? So like, mm. I mean, unless she's gone that crazy, then she's yeah, like. Yeah, I love how you call it a wish list when <laughs> it's a proper hit list. <laughs> <laughs> it is a wish list. Like, it's <laughs> an Amazon wish list. <laughs> <laughs> so friendly. Considering Ilian Payne and Cersei are on it, it's a wish list. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. If Cersei's gonna die on someone's hands, it's although it could be like, and she has to mm. breach King's Landing. get to like the queen somehow and then sort of do like i mean it's a long ask well it's, she's got those mission impossible masks to help her <laughs> out so yeah why not <laughs> yeah. and the voice like how does she, she manage the voice she also wants to kill jamie lannister right what's that yeah she does son? i she think does, she, she does. did doesn't didn't absolutely. she absolutely yeah she yeah, does yeah so i think this is what's going to happen jamie's going to kill cersei and arya's going to kill jamie and you know what arya will probably like pretend to be cersei and she'll approach jamie and he'll be like what i just killed you and then you know i think pranesh should write his own fanfic at this point <laughs> yeah that's pretty horrible man i mean what they both both going to stab each other <laughs> at the same time <laughs> all right then so i suppose that's all we have uh, for this segment of transition and we will see you right after the break with some gaming related stuff and after that short break we are back to talk about games and in this part we are going to be talking about splatoon 2 call of duty destiny 2 and something about a game that will never ship that's kingdom hearts 3 apart from some other news around for honor and evo 2017 and the atari box console so as usual to talk about these things we have a friend of the podcast mikhail madnani hello our game editor rishi albani from game of thrones to games am i right yeah that's true and i'm your host parab so first of all i think we should talk about splatoon 2 since uh, we are recording this on 18 july and the game is releasing on 21st july the global and the global splatfest itself did raise some concerns reason being uh, th- the splatfest is essentially a series of regional events where they take place in us europe and uh, and, uh, and japan and they usually or they online events wherein one faction is pitted against another so in us and europe it was ice cream versus cake and in japan it was pop versus rock and uh, what would happen is you you'd end up joining one of these factions and keep, and play the multiplayer and you'd rank up so as you keep playing you you you'd get new levels you'd be, end up from an ice cream fiend you'd become an ice cream defender an ice cream champion and so on and you get some cool swag along to go with it now since this was a pre-release splatfest no one's loot carries over to the main game but it also highlighted some possible issues for those of us who don't live in the US or Europe or Japan simply because uh the timings tend to differ so right now on my switch i have three different versions of the splatfest one for japan when japan got to play it another for europe when europe got to play it and a third for us when us got to play it because they all happen at different time slots and not one file is exactly uh, applicable to all three time slots so there's some form of uh, i don't think it's region locking but more like regional 
exclusivity per se in terms of time slots and how you can play it which also means that if you're buying splatoon from a european region you'd be tied into the splatfest that happened for europe only you can't use that same copy on a you or, or to, to play splatfest in the us or japan and to me this is a bit of uh, an amusing situation because it essentially means while nintendo is saying hey we're not region locking anything uh, in a way you kind of are restricting me to what i can partake in in the game basis on timing and based on what version of the game i have which could end up having ramifications down the line it won't be such a big deal it'll basically uh, it'll just mean that you're missing out on a few hours or something in india yes. because uh, like i just discovered they split up the us and europe uh, at least the splatfest by time an hour after it started so i just went and downloaded the eu splatfest and got to play it and you did the same thing yeah. i didn't even need to bother with the us one which took place at 3:30 in the morning so because it, i got to play it in english yeah. and yeah i'm already buying it but yeah like i realized it makes sense to probably pick up a copy from the eu region because uh, whatever they plan around european timings is better for india because we're just between 4 and 1/2 and 5 and 1/2 hours apart depending on what daylight savings nonsense is going on in europe which is much better than being 12 hour having a exactly. 12 hour difference as the us so while you on your view you were playing splatoon 1 yeah. obviously you have the us copy because yep. uh, for the 3ds and for the view everything that comes to india throughout most of asia and the middle east is uh, mostly usa region yeah so in your case with splatoon 1 all your stuff would be 12 hour difference from the us but now we'd be closer to actually playing it or uh, when it's supposed to be played because they may do some nonsense like uh uh sun versus moon again over there and they'll actually make it like if you sign up at during the day it'll be sun now in europe we'll still be during the day when they do that but if they do sun versus moon in the us it'll be actually night time for us when we join the sun side so this is just an example of something they might do but uh, otherwise the rest of the game is completely playable uh, we didn't have any at least i had zero issues playing online uh i i've tried it with uh, local wifi i tried it at starbucks playing on 4g it worked fine wireless on the switch tried with pro controller so it was really good so yeah in my case there were a couple of disconnection issues but they weren't as frequent or rampant as uh one would expect i mean there was the occasional error message when while connecting though some other people have had frequent disconnection issues and uh, oh so those uh so uh, obviously like uh, or given it's an online game and like player versus player they they have to have penalties for rage quitters so they have a way of identifying if you've actually lost connection or if you've closed the game and force quit it and if you keep doing that just like in overwatch you get a message over here which says that uh, the way you've been disconnecting has been really suspicious if you keep doing this we'll have to block you from online for some time yeah so in overwatch they actually uh, ban you on less xp uh, if you get put into this uh, Oh, I forget what it was called because it happened once when uh, the game was running slow so I just actually force quit myself and it said that you please do not disconnect during gameplay there'll be penalties so yeah so I mean for those of you who don't know rage quit essentially is what happens when a lot of when you're playing a game a multiplayer game and you end up well being on the losing side or getting hammered by the opposition so you just like quit out of the game to avoid getting a defeat on your stats and uh, this is it, it it's a huge issue in a lot of multiplayer games we've seen it be an issue with call of duty you see even it in be fighting issue. games like street fighter yeah. fires had a lot of problems with this uh, with tekken as well i think people are having issues but like that game isn't worth playing so uh, <laughs> street fighter 5 has had a lot of problems and throughout the patches over the last year they've been trying to fix this and it's gotten a lot better 
but uh, yeah if you have a game which is uh, which relies heavily on multiplayer and it's player versus player you need to take yeah. this into account so yeah i had one more concern regarding yeah. splatoon 2 so i've been seeing on social media quite a few people have been sharing random things they're seeing in in the incopolis square so somebody's written um, cake for the win and something like that on a poster and someone even wrote transition podcast so yeah <laughs> someone someone i i don't know who yeah, that I person is i wonder who would have done that yeah. that keen mind so i just want to know like what is stopping people from like posting some i don't know uh, maybe vulgar stuff uh, on these boards so uh, this originally started on the vu as the meverse which was the social media thing where you could post a screenshot and uh, draw using the vu tablet Over here, your switch is a tablet, so uh, if you're playing it in handheld, you can actually draw using the touch screen. But uh, they've brought this back because it was a very big part of Splatoon One, and you can draw, leave messages, and they appear as uh, banners when people walk near you, or they just appear in like a bubble near you. Uh, it's very easy to report players through this, and uh, at least on the Wii U, I know they've been taking action very quick when this happens. Yep. on a switch or uh, rishi said it, they are moderating it to some extent yeah they've said that uh, that we will moderate stuff and they've also given people guidelines on how to post so i think so far it should be okay uh honestly it also brings back the fact that though this is one thing which i feel is missing with the switch they should bring the meverse back i think that was really cool and i think it's a reason being for those of you who don't know what the what the meverse was was that uh, on an on a uh, 3ds or a wii u you could essentially use the stylus and create hand drawn messages and share them with people and people would do some really creative stuff with it and it was a really cool way to engage with the community to speak to people to get to even find strategies for a game so like with a game that i was playing called uh, tokyo mirage sessions on the wii u uh rather than you know get out of the game and get, and go to my pc and and figure out how how to beat a certain section of it i just Oh, I I just press a few buttons on my on my Wii U and I'm already in the Miiverse and getting help from the community directly. It was really cool. It was just a nice engagement factor that was there. And to see that Nintendo isn't bringing it back is a bit of a disappointment. But I mean, yeah, hopefully with Splatoon we see other games carrying forward the legacy of the Miiverse, which I think is really cool. And as long as the 3DS is around, it's still going to be there in some capacity. But uh, I think that's something Nintendo should reconsider. They should bring it back as an app. But yeah, we got to try this in uh, like each each region had like a four hour time slot over the weekend to try this. I tried two of them. I think Rishi tried all three. Yeah, so I've tried. Ba- I tried basically Japan and Europe. I did play a bit of the US as well. Okay. Uh, through and through, the gameplay was pretty solid. Uh, the I mean, hit detection was great. Uh, the move traversal was fine. There was no issues in game. I mean, the netcode held up quite well. Uh, there were one or two disconnection issues, but nothing too rampant. Uh, what is really cool though is is uh, how the how the how there's a certain pace to how you play depending on the weapon you use so in the global splatfest i was basically using the roller which basically is is a giant giant paint roller you have to get in close and splat someone with it for them to die so essentially when i when i when, when you'd use that you'd end up getting racking up kills really fast like your first couple of minutes are just a lot of kills cuz it's so easy to use and then when you finally get the ultimate ability of that which is a gigantic splat with the roller um you'd probably kill one enemy at best So it kind of balances out. Like it's, since it's a three-minute match, your first two minutes get you a lot of kills. Your third minute, by the time you get an alt, is isn't that much. But but when you use something like the Splatnator, which is like a basic generic shotgun kind of thing, you end up getting a couple of kills in the first minute, minute and a half. When you get the ultimate for it, which lets you hover above your opposition and let you fire like one-shot death. 
So when you do that, you get you rack up a lot more. So th there's an underlying strategy to which weapon to use and when to use it, which map to use it in as well. And I think that that'll play out very. It'll be a very fun way to see how it plays out on the Switch when the game hits. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, the game itself was a lot of fun. I mean, as aside from the underlying strategies and what you can use, there was actually advertising. And uh, it's something Nintendo is very upfront about. So when you start the game, there's a message that says the game has in-game in ads. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, it isn't ads in the form of, well, pop-ups like you'd have on Android or iOS or on your browser. Rather, it was just a, a, ba a banner for... for uh, for brands like Tower Records. Tower Records is a famous uh, Japan music shop. So, and it makes sense to have that in the game because music is a heavy part of Splatoon. They so also have a lot of events uh, exactly. tying up with Tower Records. So in that case, it makes sense. Yeah. But uh, they basically will have product placement. So in, the, in Europe, which is probably the copies which will show up here eventually, uh, expect to see some stuff for just like how Pokemon Go does with yeah. uh, region specific. There's going to be nothing from India. Obviously, yeah. because there's no Nintendo in India and all. But uh, yeah, so uh, during the global splat, the Splatfest, we got to try four weapons and four specials. There are going to be more weapons they are developing. There, there's more stuff in the full game, and uh, the only thing we got to try was Turf War, yeah. which is the like one of the main modes, which just has uh, you covering uh, more of the of turf area. as the name suggested with your ink color. And each uh, there'll be four inklings on each side in different colors, and yeah, basically. Uh, the roller, as Rishi said, this is what I was playing the most. Yeah. It's like, the, I'd say they're the tanks because they do most of the uh, coverage and the rest of the people are just distracting the others and stuff like that. So it was interesting. And, uh, so yeah. basically the roller is a Reinhardt of uh, yeah. Splatoon, yeah, full Overwatch. Exactly. So yeah. Mm. So yeah, anyway, looking forward to that. Hopefully we should be having a review next week, fingers crossed, provided our copies show up. I expect that from our host, Prane. And uh, yeah, but then from Splatoon, I think we should move on to other shooters of note. Yeah, such as Call of Duty and Destiny 2. So I believe some pricing related info has been... So yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, firstly, let, yeah, let's tackle the price hike first and get that out of the way. Because it's a very weird situation. So uh, what's happened is Call of Duty, uh, World War 2 and Destiny 2 have received a price hike for India. The games were priced at four two nine nine on console and three four nine nine on PC. They received a hike of four four nine nine on console and three seven nine nine on PC. The reason for this that is given to retailers is the is GST. Now this doesn't make sense because uh, we the the impact of GST on games is negligible. Like two or three percent, right? Exactly, and at the same time, uh, there is a refund component to GST as well. In addition to this, uh, Sony and Microsoft. Who have a larger, who have a who have a bigger presence in India, haven't uh, increased price yet. Forza Seven is still three triple nine on uh, on on Amazon. Uncharted Lost Legacy, which whose MRP was two four nine nine, is still two four nine nine. We haven't seen any change from them yet. And at the same time, uh, it was widely speculated that Warner Brothers would increase price on games because the Steam price of uh, Middle Earth: Shadow of War is uh, 4000 so everyone expected a 4000 price but no they've stuck to 33499 on console on console digital three triple nine but physical should be 3499 we don't know just yet so point is uh the 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 excuse of gst doesn't make sense uh one thing i have heard from several other retailers is that this is possibly done not because of gst but because of custom duty hikes in terms of package product being brought in 
and that could explain why and because that ends up being a wind uh, a long winded form of an explanation they decided to just say gst instead that's what some are speculating uh we've got in touch with worldwide cd rom several times uh they haven't got back to us i think they're basically in hiding <laughs> because uh they haven't even given retailers destiny 2 beta codes just yet which are supposed to be given last week so i don't know what the situation is at this stage and this is frankly how they've been doing and they've been doing nonsense like this for the i mean almost a decade i mean uh, they need to hurry up because uh, it'll be open beta by friday i think exactly so it's it's a very amusing state of affairs and they've been getting away with this uh, inefficiency for the last 10 years but then also keep in mind activision is who is the publisher of call of duty and destiny 2 are one of the most price sensitive publishers around back in the day when call of duty 4 came out and was this massive monster hit uh immediately the very next year they increased price from uh, 2799 to 3499 on ps3 and xbox 360 pc price also was hiked from 999 all the way up to i think uh, one either 1499 or 1999 point is they've been pioneers in raising prices in india they raise prices before anyone else so i i think also that might have a part to play in all of this i mean it could i i think more than gst it seems to be more like publisher greed but again we we won't know until we hear from worldwide themselves so the official statement which they've given to retailers which retailers have received on email from worldwide have indicated gst but we don't know for sure until they actually comment per se to us so that's that, that's the one point that, that that was one thing to do with call of duty the other thing was there was a leak uh, as with most things call of duty things get leaked but i don't think this was a leak that was done on purpose because an unfinished trailer for call of duty zombies the zombies mode for world, for call of duty world war 2 found its way to the internet and obviously i mean it looks legit it looks a lot more horrific you'll be fighting off against an undead army now the zombies mode in call of duty call of duty games have been uh, pretty good in the recent years particularly those with black ops uh the black ops series has done a really good job with production values in this then again the black ops series of games of call of duty were made by treyarch and this is uh, done and i think world war 2 is being done by sledgehammer if i'm not mistaken yes. so uh there you can expect some difference in treatment uh and the last time sledgehammer did a zombies add on for call of duty was with advanced warfare back in 2014 and that was done as an add on much later so how they take it forward with this considering it seems to be a day one thing will be interesting to see. Uh I'm looking forward to it personally because uh the, the zombies modes are a lot of fun with friends. They're good they're good co-op uh modes to play. Uh they've seen they we see this in the past they've had some really good AAA voice talent uh voicing uh voicing uh the characters in this. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. There should be an official reveal towards the end of this week. All right then. So moving on, um uh, do we want to tackle this For Honor stuff first? Apparently, uh one of the people who worked on For Honor has claimed that uh some report around it losing its player base is fake news also oh, what the trump administration is now looking into for honor or what yep now Seems we'll start like hearing it. some alternative facts <laughs> yeah so apparently uh for honor's community manager eric pope claims that uh, the f- uh, that the steam data about the user base dwindling by over 90 95% is not true uh, he claims that it's fake news but uh and i mean at the end of the day considering that steam makes up a large chunk of ubisoft sales you see ubisoft games are available through, through two platforms on pc one is steam and the other is uh, you uplay now uh, at the end of it con- assuming steam is the bigger part of the equation yeah i mean that would hold true that you've lost a large chunk of your user base i mean at the same time if you look what's happened 
the creative director on for honor jason vanderbeek quit the company and he's now working at nexon as a uh, on 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 mmos and trying to help people make mmos and stuff so uh and at the same time if you look at the all what ubisoft's doing ubisoft's tied up with the esl to have a weekly kind of or a monthly kind of for honor tournament where you can win $10,000 on the weekend and stuff it seems like a way to get people back into the game and uh, i mean let's be honest it's uh, ubisoft one of the biggest strengths is been how they manage a game with uh, live content and post release we've seen it with rainbow six siege where it's become a totally different game today and a lot more accessible and playable and a lot more fun they've done it to some degree of success with the division as well even though that's taken a hit they did it very well with the crew the crew's expansion more or less fixed everything with the game but then it also begs the question why release a game in such a broken state to begin with that <laughs> needs to be fixed so uh where where for honor is concerned i mean it didn't even help matters that you had to be online to play single player which i think is i mean what is this this doesn't work in 2017 so i think there are some major po- there are some glaring points of concern more so when you consider that a lot of games are going to follow a free to are going to follow a live service model i mean it's something that microsoft's done exceptionally well with halo 5 where till this day there are updates to multiplayer there are people still playing it so i mean there is merit to the approach but if it's failed it's failed and the data is available for everyone to see steam spy yeah, data is uh, available everywhere it had an all time peak of nearly 46000 players since launch and uh, currently 1000 currently 1000 users yeah yeah currently 1050 people playing as of 9 minutes ago wow and 24 hour peak of uh, nearly 1600 so yeah it's had like a huge drop yeah and, and i mean it's not surprising right because uh, even if you look at how the game was uh, presented prior to release uh, the first show off the first time they showed it off at E3 they showed off the multiplayer element everyone thought it was multiplayer only a year later they show off a single player campaign but then the single player campaign ended up being a tutorial which was kind of like 4 5 hours long i think akhil reviewed it for us and he was pretty much like he wasn't too impressed with it and that it i i don't blame him at the end of it if you're if you're advertising single player make sure there's actual single player you can't fault them for trying something new which just that if it's wrong it's wrong just don't say it's fake news that's like that's yeah, being that's very like trump yeah that's being very trumpian of ubisoft all right so moving on uh, something that both mike and you would be slightly interested in talking about the atari box console now the interesting thing here is that while initially it looked like a totally um, retro console type thing which uh, probably rivals the nes classic um, now they've come out and said some things like uh, we are hearing some things about crowdfunding we are hearing some things about it will support both retro games and new games so i don't really know what is going on here i don't know the i think when they say new games is probably going to be some form of uh, android uh, I have a feeling it's going to be like using what what's Google not oh yeah uh what does Google have now the the set top box which plays games That's also the Nexus play yeah it's like going to be something like that which is basically play. not supported anymore if i'm uh, not mistaken okay so i have a feeling it's going to be some form of android stuff because uh, what does atari even have coming now except for those uh, atari Cla- the the only games which have been released which have the atari name recently are the classics collections on uh, ps4 and xbox one which are both collections of old games. So, here's the thing, uh funnily enough, they didn't mention outright that the console would be crowdfunded. Eurogamer spotted it in an investor note which is written in French. Uh two investors in fine print. All right, it had it wasn't told in public. So what happened was Atari emailed 
uh, a whole bunch of it fa- its fans over the weekend that uh, this is the Atari box. This is what it'll look like. We can't share spec with you right now because we want to take you along with us on the journey to make this, which makes which leads me to believe that they have no idea how to go about it and they're looking for fan feedback. So, and at the same time, they've also said that, yes, it'll play retro and current content. Now, as Mike said, that essentially implies that they're probably going to follow the same model as the Ouya or the NVIDIA Shield TV, wherein it's an Android box with a curated store and may have access to the Play Store. We don't know about that. The fact is that they're going the crowdfunding route is a little worrisome, simply because, uh, I mean, the brand name is Atari at the end of the day. That has some cachet with a lot of people. People care about it. And uh, the fact that they have no idea, that, that they aren't willing to share spec or a release date and they're just willing to show some inputs at the back lead me to believe that it's not even in a prototype stage yet. We're prob- they're probably just looking, what we probably saw is just, is just concept renders at the end of the day. So I, I don't think we're anywhere close to seeing this hit the shelves anytime soon. And if they're going the crowdfunding route, it's going to take longer. And I guarantee you that if it gets success in crowdfunding, they're going to try to flip it to, to a bigger, more powerful partner to sell it for them. Because that's what we've seen has happened with a lot of crowdfunding projects over the years. It, fine, Ouya was a rare exception, but Ouya got snapped up by Razor. And well, what, where is Ouya right now? Nothing. So to me, it seems more like something like that more than an actual NES Mini or NES Classic. And even if you look at it in terms of games, right? What, what are you going to play from the Atari back catalog on something like this? Alone in the Dark at best? I mean, th- there is nothing that's really graphically intensive or big from their catalog, which which you can play right now. Maybe Roller Coaster Tycoon, I don't know. But right now, it seems to be very vague. And it seems to be a, a nostalgia cash grab at this stage. We don't even know the price and it seems to be like, at this, like, like this right now. So Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is that part of the podcast where Mike takes over because we're going to be talking about fighting games. So we, Evo... We forgot about before fighting games. Kingdom Hearts 3, man. No, we are not talking about paperware on this podcast. But we just talked about the Atari box. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> uh, so, I think Kingdom Hearts 3, we can like go for it uh, so after this. Let Mike have a say about... Uh, no, 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 let's talk about Kingdom Hearts 3. Because, All right, uh, so Kingdom Hearts 3, also known as uh, the new Half-Life 3. <laughs> Uh, no I mean, man. But, like, Kingdom Hearts is actually a good franchise. <laughs> debatable, very debatable. <laughs> even, with the, even with the complete like mind, whatever story... Whatever, oh, just because the story has a conclusion. Please don't yeah. mention like so, yeah. with like good games. So a lot of amazing memes about this. It's not uh, coming in 2018. It's coming in 2018 days and things like that. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, at the Disney D23 Expo, they showed off Square Enix showed off a new trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, and also uh, like said now Toy Story World is a part of it, and they showed stuff which looked really good. It's all Unreal Engine 4 stuff. And they said Kingdom Hearts 3 is, uh, have they've given it a date again, or a year, I'd say, 2018 for Xbox One and PS4. And also saying that a Switch version is a possibility after, but they're focusing now on PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah, so, which is very amusing because if you're focusing now on PS4 and Xbox One, what were you focusing on earlier, the Atari box? No, uh, but like they they switched engines, right? Square Enix made them switch to Unreal Engine 4, so everything that was true, done was canned. True, but then that, that, was, that happened four years ago. Oh, that happened three to four years ago. Yeah, three years ago. So, probably. so point is, it's it's really amusing that they're still getting there, get, trying to figure it out because they even released a, a, a short demo for it uh, with uh, Kingdom Hearts, I think two point eight. Yeah, remakes? Kingdom Hearts two point eight was the latest one, right? No, yeah, no, no, no. So, uh, two point eight is a PS four remaster of a three DS game. Also has a movie included on it, which was based on some mobile game in Japan. 
and it also has this short like metal gear solid ground zeros type small demo which was called 0.8 0.2 a fragmentary passage that was the first like bit of new kingdom hearts gameplay in a very long time and yeah that was unreal engine 4 it really did not run well and i think they patched it also fixing it which is a joke but yeah that came out in jan on ps4 and then a few months later you had remasters of the ps3 remasters So there were two PS3 remasters called 1.5 HD Remix, 2.5 HD Remix. This combined both of them, and it actually is insane value getting so many games in one collection. And now Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to launch directly on Xbox One with no previous collection or anything. <laughs> so basically, even, if, so if, basically, it's going to sell less than one copy, which it would have on Xbox One for that one Xbox fan probably who likes Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. So, so essentially, yeah. if you're if you're a collector, you might as well just get it on the PS4 if and when it shows up in the PS4's lifespan, because Square Enix is notorious for this. We saw it with Final Fantasy 15. So yeah, if you got hyped for Kingdom Hearts, much like Mike did. Keep in mind, it'll be delayed again. All right, then. Finally, Evo 2017. So yeah, Evo 2017 took place. There were a lot of announcements, a lot of uh, some good announcements. Capcom making a joke of themselves as usual. Uh, How's that good? Huh? How's that good? Because uh, it's hilarious when you see a game which is so bare bones, like Street Fighter V, is like the main stage of Evo. The final was amazing to watch and all, but like the game is pretty much a joke. Uh, outside of the competitive scene and they have a new game coming out called Marvel versus Capcom Infinite and uh, like everyone knows Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3 it's like a historic game for yes. fighting games and yes. all uh, it recently released on uh, current gen platforms and uh, so the next Marvel versus Capcom game is now Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom Infinite it's basically Marvel Cinematic Universe versus a small portion of Capcom and it looks terrible so Instead of like when you have Namco announcing, uh, who did they announce? They announced Geese for Tekken yeah. from Fatal Fury. Yeah. No idea who that is, but trailer looks good. You have Namco showing off Dragon Ball Fighters with a Z at the end, which probably looks like the best fighting game coming out in the next year, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the new Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite character who no one's heard of from Darkstalkers. Yeah. So like it's it's really funny just seeing how Capcom is literally just riding on the Street Fighter V popularity. What is it even popular? Are people still playing it? They are like it it continues to sell slowly. It has a very a uh, high concurrent player base at least on PS4 and PC. Like it doesn't matter because you can play cross play with PS4. Nice. Uh, this was the first time Tekken was at Evo as well. Uh, was good, but I still stand by the fact that the game is terrible. In fact. Street Fighter Five is a better game than Tekken right now. Oh no, seriously. Yeah. So, uh, so that happened, and also Arc System Works, who are popular, who are known for like Blast Blue and Guilty Gear, and Persona Four Arena, announced a new uh, crossover fighting game uh, in the thing called Blast Blue Cross Tag Battle, which has uh, Blast Blue characters, Ruby. Persona 4 Arena and uh, the fighting game which I absolutely love the name Under Night in Birth Late EXE. What? Yeah, that's the name of a fighting game which is very popular. It's, I just love the name. So uh, they announced this new crossover game. No platforms announced. Probably safe to assume PS4 and maybe Switch. Since it's Persona, I don't know whether it's going to go to anything else. Maybe Xbox. I don't know. Yeah, because uh, Persona 4 Arena did make it to Xbox. Yeah, it did. So, so but then uh, given how Arc System works is basically. Uh, Avoided Xbox One completely after that one token Blast Blue game they released on Central it. Central Fiction, I think. No, no, no. They released Chrono Phantasma yeah. Extend on Xbox. Yeah. Everything else has just been PlayStation and late to PC, if at all. Yep. So, 
uh, that's going to be interesting and uh, but for the first time he was going to be in japan in jan and nintendo's arms is going to make its fighting game uh, tournament debut over there which is going to be very interesting and we might even see who knows maybe by that time nintendo might announce smash for switch who knows Oh uh, no so uh, for for the Evo Japan they have Smash for Wii U oh. it's already announced so i think that basically proves that we're not going to get a new smash game until after that i have a feeling uh, maybe next year because this year they they're doing too much stuff you have that Pokken tournament deluxe true you have arms and now you have Splatoon which is another multiplayer focused game probably next year yeah i mean and besides it it's good they're doing it on the Wii U because you know it'll take them time to update all those Wii U's to play smash which always happens to everyone so yeah Never so so yeah, basically that was Evo excited for the new fighting games. Everyone should play Guilty Gear XR Rev Two and Blast Blue. Not as much. As much. Not as much. We should take this outside. What about that Dragon Ball thing uh, game? Oh which is yeah, out? so so yeah, the, so I said that. So uh, Namco is getting Arc System Works, or uh, Namco has the Dragon Ball games license, and uh, they usually release one game every one year or every two years called Dragon Ball Xenoverse like it's releasing on the switch this year and uh, they don't they aren't available in india officially because of licensing but if you know where to look you can find a copy yeah so about licensing uh just to clarify is this a question of the fact that the game can't be distributed in india or is it a question of namco only having distribution rights for the game in europe and us so, only so uh, dragon ball games can't be sold in india because of some licensing like who or namco they haven't got the license for this because i think uh, they showed the anime here officially i think yeah. they've been so i think there's some stuff going on where only one holder can broadcast or something like that i was reading so uh, and due to valve's new gifting policy and all that it's almost impossible to even get the dragon ball games on steam when you'll have to use one of those uh, key selling sites if at all but on console you can just buy a physical copy if you know where to look yeah but yeah officially no dragon ball games for india Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters may be the exception because it's up for pre-order officially on Xbox and PS4 on Games Shop. Yeah, and that's coming in, so that's going to be like really good. I have literally no interest in Dragon Ball, but Arc System Works fighting game, and it looks amazing. So we'll get. Hmm. All right. So finally, we move to the most important and interesting part of this podcast, which is the Mike's Weird Games segment. Mike, I believe this week you have an actual, real weird game to talk no, about. No, I've been only playing Final Fantasy XIV over the last few yeah, days. Please. <laughs> I literally have only been playing that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You haven't been playing any game called No Love Addiction or something. That was last week. There we go. Do so tell yeah, us more. You can talk about it. Oh, uh, it's a visual novel about high school students who are trying to become nurses, and it's since it's a visual novel, there's obviously multiple endings, good and bad. and the bad endings are pretty grotesque and horrific compared to the good endings like a very big contrast uh, i think i to get all the endings i played like 36 hours total uh, it's available on pc and on vita so finish that uh, oh no ps4 no it's a visual novel i can't imagine i don't even know why people play that stuff on pc but good for them uh, so yeah very good story lots of very weird stuff cosplay stabbing and stuff like that so Yeah, I've been playing that and uh, convinced a few people to reinstall Final Fantasy XIV. So I was playing that over the last few days. Still very good. Still enjoying it. So been playing that. Basically. Yeah, all right, uh, Rishi. Well, been playing a lot of Splatoon One of all things. Basically, just in a run up to see what exactly is different between that and Splatoon Two. And it seems to be a lot of the same. Though that's not a bad thing because the single player in Splatoon One surprisingly decent. uh play through the first couple of bosses i like how they've man- how they've basically taken inspiration from mario on how to defeat them 
in terms of they're, they're multi-tiered you just don't shoot them till they die you have to like shoot them at a specific point platform a few sections and then kill him so which is really cool uh that aside i've been playing a lot of breath of the wild because of the expansion pass and yeah it just makes me wonder that they should have included a lot of this at the beginning but whatever um so yeah i've been playing those two and then uh destiny 2 beta is coming up so went jump back into destiny 1 for a bit to see what you know what's there what's different and yeah looking forward to that all right then that's all for this episode of transition we will see you with another episode next week as always don't forget to rate us on itunes and follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at gadgets360 and the music for this podcast comes via magnus solai paulson his album pppppp is where the tracks are from mm-hmm.